some lessons from that parish council meeting. You're listening to the Planning, Environment and Property podcast, brought to you by the members of 39 Essex Chambers. I'm John Pugh-Smith, barrister, mediator and recently co-opted parish councillor. Now, it's in all three of these roles that I'm presenting my thoughts on that infamous parish council meeting in December 2020. Following the release of the footage on the 4th of February of the embattled Hanford Parish Council's deliberations and introducing a moment of bizarre lockdown laughter, this brief global sensation seems to have set not only a new normal for how bad Zoom meetings can get, but also a benchmark as to the conduct of debate at governance meetings. It also drew attention to the common sense and perseverance of the moderator, one Jackie Weaver. Not only was she unwittingly ushered onto the global social media stage as a new quintessentially modest national figure in the same week that our country paid its respects to the late Captain Sir Tom Moore, but it also reminded us of the role of the proper officer in local government. Also, while providing a fresh democratic benchmark, remarked upon even in the House of Commons the following week, that parish council Zoom meetings exposes a number of legal issues that are of wider consideration and reflection, which this episode hopefully seeks to embrace at least some of them. So let's start with the factual context. Prior to its recent notoriety, Hanford's claim to fame was as the home to one of Britain's biggest M&S superstores, as well as its proximity to Manchester Airport. For it lies to the north of Wilmslow and is known as a fast-growing community connecting Cheshire to Greater Manchester. It's also surrounded by villages inhabited by millionaire footballers and uh, is known in that area as the Golden Triangle. Formed in May 2011, Hanforth Parish Council has consisted of seven councillors representing three wards. In addition, the council holds committee meetings dealing with specific areas such as finance, employment and the controversial planning and environment. Now, it also needs to be borne in mind that uh, Cheshire East as an administrative area has been a planning battleground for several years since the National Planning Policy Framework introduced fresh emphasis on a five-year housing land supply in 2012. And the encouragement of neighbourhood development plans, including for Hanforth by the then planning minister, uh, the Right Honourable Nick Bowles, had and perhaps has continued to have something of a refocus of uh, locals' interests and concerns in parish politics. So it's perhaps unsurprising that tensions have been rising for some time, and indeed, according to subsequently released footage, uh, there were certainly um, differences of opinion uh, amongst the parish councillors from 2017 onwards. Now, the current row started some months before the December meeting, when the two warring camps, with four on one side and three on the other, uh, started to lock horns. One councillor, a lady called Jean Thompson, had ceased to be a member. She had not attended meetings for the six months leaving a split with three councillors on each side. Of the embattled councillors, on the one side was Brian Tolver, Alid Brewerton and Barry Burkhill, and on the other, John Smith, Cynthia Sampson and Susan Moore. In fact, uh, Cynthia's iPad has got known as Sin on the global media stage 
just as Julie's iPad seems to take on a whole new significance, whoever Julie was being attributed to in terms of those councillors. Now, sadly, with the continuing failure of the chairman, Brian Toby, to attend for, for six months before the meeting in December, because he considered uh, that uh, any meeting would be illegitimate, uh, that led to the December showdown as to the effect that on the request of two councillors from one faction, there needed to be a meeting, which uh, led to the introduction of Jackie Weaver, the chief officer of the Cheshire Association of Local Councils, to host that extraordinary meeting. And it was also the second time on the 10th of December that Mr Tolver had acted as the chair, having previously been evicted from an earlier 7pm call. At the half past seven extraordinary meeting, uh, the footage tells us that Mr Tolver kept telling uh, Mrs Weaver to stop talking, to which she added, you had no authority here. In response, the footage shows Jackie Weaver removing Mr Tolver from the Zoom call and placing him into a virtual waiting room. After Mr Tolver's eviction, his ally, Councillor Ali Brewerton, uh, is shown angrily shouting at Jackie Weaver when she tries to elect a new chairman. No, they can't because the vice chair is here, he says. I take charge. Read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. And I rate Mr Brewerton then yells off camera, we're trying to have a team's meeting, you fool. He was also later ejected. At this stage, it also needs to be noted that the row had come weeks after another brutal meeting where Jackie Weaver had ejected Mr Tolver from that Zoom call as well. The meeting then resumes with a new elected chairman from the other faction, that's uh, Councillor John Smith, where he's saying, welcome to Handforth, to which Jackie Weaver responds, it's nothing if not lively. Now, it's subsequently emerged that Cheshire East had already received a multiplicity of complaints regarding the conduct and behaviour of the parish council before that Zoom meeting went viral. These had ranged from multiple complaints about council's behaviour to fundamental issues with governance and member officer engagement. A reminder, indeed, of Ms. Fevenson public office and the elements of that offence had been actually given by Cheshire's Director of Governance and Compliance, uh, who was also the monitoring officer overseeing um, Hanforth Parish Council. Indeed, he had advised the parish council and indeed any individual councillor, to seek advice and assistance from the local association of town and parish councils for help with any potential issue and to seek advice to resolve the difficulties that have been, have been reported. Given the high volume of complaints received, um, he also stated, and this is on the parish council's website, that significant scrutiny of the parish council's actions um, would be likely. So let's now turn to the legal context. In England, there are 10,000 parish and town councils with around 100,000 councillors. Their main responsibilities involve what are sometimes called hyper-local services. For example, hedge trimming, maintaining local benches, public clocks, parish halls, and indeed some public toilets when they're open. Now, while they can make representations on planning matters to the relevant district or borough council, which have to be considered as a statutory consultee, they cannot, of course, make planning decisions themselves on matters, save in the formulation of a neighbourhood development plan. And indeed, in that regard, as case law has revealed, 
uh, on a number of occasions, most recently last autumn. Um, they sometimes take extreme views of policy, as in the case of Lock Arlop investments against Mendip District Council and Norton St. Philip Parish Council, where they don't provide a reasoned justification uh, and one is not received from the neighbourhood plans examiner, then the plan has to be quashed. In the Lock Arlott case, it was local green space, which had a more restrictive than national greenbelt policy, which was held to be unlawful. So uh, with power, albeit uh, in the context in which I just explained it, comes responsibility as well. And as we know, uh, for the last year, the use of remote meetings has been permitted for all levels of governance by Zoom or Microsoft Teams during the pandemic. Now, it has to be borne in mind that a parish council must, in every year, hold an annual meeting and at least three other meetings. Also, there must be a chairman who must be elected annually from amongst the councillors, and unless they resign or become disqualified, they continue in office until their successor becomes entitled to act as chair. Similarly, the council may appoint another councillor to be vice chairman, and again, unless they resign or become disqualified, they hold office until immediately after the election of a new chair at the next annual meeting of the council. Subject to any standing orders made by the parish council, anything authorised or required to be done by, to or before the chair may be done by, to or before the vice chair. During their terms of office, the, both the chairman and vice chairman continue to be members of the council, notwithstanding the provisions relating to the retirement of parish councillors. Notice of a parish council meeting must be given publicly by fixing a notice in some conspicuous place and individually by leaving at or sending by post to his usual place of residence a summons to each member. Three clear days notice is necessary and although want of service of the notice doesn't affect the validity of the meeting, the summons must nonetheless uh, specify the business proposed to be transacted and be signed by the proper officer of the council. The chairman may call an extraordinary meeting of the council at any time. If that chairman refuses after a requisition for that purpose signed by two members of the council has been presented to him or her, or if, without so refusing, the chairman doesn't call a meeting within seven days after the requisition, then any two members of the council on that refusal, or on the expiration of those seven days, as the case may be, forthwith convene an extraordinary meeting. Now, at that meeting, uh, the chairman, if present, or in his absence, the vice chair, uh, will preside. But, of course, if the chairman and the vice chair are absent, then such councillors, the members of the council present, then presides. Now, as far as business is concerned, none can be transacted at a parish council meeting unless at least one third of the whole number of councillors is present, provided that in no case can the quorum be less than three members. If more than one third of the members is disqualified, the quorum is calculated in relation to those remaining qualified, subject to there being a minimum of three. So one can see the significance of the three at Hanford. The mode of voting is by show of hands unless the parish council standing orders otherwise provide and on the requisition of any member of the council the voting on any question must be recorded so as to show whether each member present and voting gave his vote for or against the motion or question. 
If there's an equality of votes, the person residing has a second or casting vote, which he or she has to exercise. Finally, standing orders may allow the period of time to be set aside at each council meeting for questions by members of the public. So let's turn to the role of the parish clerk as the proper officer. As such, uh, his or her statutory duty is to carry out all the functions that local government officer holds, and in particular to serve or issue all notifications required by law. So of course that in includes not only um, notification of meetings, but also of other business being conducted by the council, including letters of representation, particularly of objection on planning matters. The parish clerk is responsible for ensuring that instructions of the council in connection with its function as a parish council are carried out. They are expected to advise councillors on and assist in the formation of overall policies to be followed in respect of that council's activities and, in particular, to produce all the information required for making effective decisions and to implement constructively all decisions. The clerk is also the responsible financial officer and accountable for all financial records of the council and the proper administration of its finances, which of course are raised through a precept as part of the annual council tax bill that goes out to local residents. The clerk is also accountable to the parish for the effective management of all its resources and must report to the councillors as and when required. Now, because of the complexity of modern local government and the volume of relevant material, most parish councils now appoint a paid and usually experienced parish clerk. They are seen to be and must act as an independent and objective servant who, whilst taking their instructions from the council as a corporate body and recognising that the council is responsible for its decisions, must guide them, a bit like a clerk to the justice, is to ensure that uh, their decision-making is lawful. And indeed, their expertise is invaluable, particularly on the practice and procedure for meetings, as well as acting as a conduit for correspondence, and whilst taking account of the benefits of good practice as well as common sense, do need to have a grounding in the principles I've articulated already. Where there is no um, parish clerk or in an emergency, for example, to cover a temporary vacancy, uh, a councillor can fulfil the role of clerk. They cannot, under the Local Government Act, receive payment and cannot take up such a new role unless they have resigned from an elected position for at least 12 months. So, having dealt with the legal and factual aspects, let's now turn to what we can draw from the Hanforth situation. While well, knowledge of the granular detail isn't essential, given the exceptional nature of the events, what becomes clear is that there was a particularly egregious example of what can happen when matters get out of hand. Here, it seems that Jackie Weaver really acted as an umpire, having failed as a mediator or moderator. And even if she had been the proper officer, uh, the role of the parish clerk, like the constitutional monarch, is still to counsel and advise rather than dictate. Indeed, uh, it has been suggested that even her preferred method of controlling the meeting could only have worked because it was held online. As a nation, we have a tendency to centralise the local and the amateur. 
Furthermore, the lowest tier of the local government is um, reliant upon voluntary uh, involvement. There's an ex expectation that its financial drawdown through the annual precept will be commensurately modest. And yet, the role and function of those 10,000 parish and town councils can differ significantly. And as I've already touched upon, already reflected in the planning aspirations of some neighbourhood plans and their hyper-local policies. Likewise, with their administrative requirements through the parish clerk, and despite the recommended pale scales suggested by the Society of Local Council Clerks, all too often it can be a case of either lack of sufficient awareness and or available funds that can lead to a parish clerk's hours being overly limited or to inadequate attention given to the proper discharge of their duties and thereby the functions of the parish council. Given that the upper tier district or borough council has governance oversight of a parish council, recourse should always be sought sooner, whether through its monitoring officer or another higher officer, than later if its affairs are becoming out of hand. Accordingly, if meetings are not taking place even during a pandemic, or there's a pattern of feuding, then a particular level of inquiry, scrutiny and direction should be activated and swiftly. While parish councils cannot be formally placed into special measures, so far as I'm aware, that effect should be initiated. Otherwise, while threatened, actual cases of misconduct or misfeasance in public office are rare, no doubt due to this area of law being somewhat complicated and extreme. But they should be borne in mind nonetheless for misbehaving parish councillors. So, while it may have captured the attention of the wider lockdown weary, the fact remains that there are unresolved governance issues, which only through the reopening of the ballot box in May 2021 may lead to better stories and outcomes in Hanforth Parish after the infamous Zoom massacre. Let's hope so, for the sake of local government, as well as the Handforth residents. Thanks for listening. At 39 Essex Chambers, we cover a vast array of practice areas and sectors. You can find out more about our expertise and our barristers at 39essex.com, where you can also see our extensive catalogue of articles, podcasts and webinars.